Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. He goes with us, but he also goes before us. He's already there, and I appreciate that song. I read this story about an old geezer, the writer said, who became very bored in retirement, decided to open a medical clinic. He put up a sign outside that said, Dr. Geezer's Clinic, get your treatment for $500. If not cured, get back $1,000. Dr. Young, who was positive that this old geezer didn't know what he was talking about when it came to medicine, thought he'd, it would be a great opportunity to get $1,000, so he went to his clinic. Dr. Young said, Dr. Geezer, I've lost all taste in my mouth. Can you please help me? Dr. Geezer said, Nurse, please get five drops from the bottle in drawer 12 and put it on Dr. Young's mouth. Dr. Young said, Ah, this is gasoline. Dr. Geezer said, Congratulations, you've got your taste back. That'll be $500. Dr. Young got annoyed. And so he went back a couple of days later, figuring to recover his money. He said, I've lost my memory. I cannot remember anything. Dr. Geezer said, nurse, please bring the bottle from drawer 12 and put three drops in the patient's mouth. He said, oh, no, you don't. That's gasoline. He said, congratulations. You got your memory back. That'll be $500. And Dr. Young, now having lost $1,000, leaves angrily and comes back several more days later and says, my eyesight has become weak. I can hardly see anything. Dr. Geezer said, well, I don't have any medicine for that, so here's $1,000 back. And he handed him a $10 bill. He said, that's not $1,000, that's only $10. He said, congratulations, you got your vision back. That'll be $500. You know, he thought he could outsmart him. <laughs> But some people can't be outsmarted, right? And uh, I think about where we are in this day. There's a lot of people that think they're nifty and crafty and got it all figured out. But I want us all to be reminded today that we have a fixed point of reference. And no matter what angle we come at the truth from to try to take away from it or even discredit it. God's word stands, you'll never outsmart the Lord. Isn't that right? And uh, he is faithful. His word is true, and we can count on it all the way through. No matter what we face in this life, God is true, and his word is trustworthy. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I think about Peter, he was being tried of the Lord, and uh, the Lord said in Luke chapter 22 that Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not, and afterwards, when you're converted, when you come back to me, you'll strengthen the brethren. Now, Peter stumbled in unbelief and his pride, I'll never deny you, all the things that Peter went through, but Jesus pursued him as he pursues us today. And he even went to him when Peter had gone back to fishing and finally pressed him and said, Peter, here's the point. 
do you love me? Lovest thou me? And it's like, Lord, I, I love you somewhat, in essence, is the word there, phileo. In essence, I don't love you like I used to love you. I know that. But I do love you in measure. I don't have that agape love, that loyal, devoted, fervent, even sacrificial love for you that I once had. I'm so thankful that the Lord looked upon him and said, I'll take you where you are. Feed my sheep. Who was it that preached on the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? Peter. Where do we get first and second Peter from? A man who stumbled, a man who was humbled, a man who came back to God because God took him where he was and said, I'm going to start over. I'm going to start afresh. There's no better way out here. I can't get away from God. He keeps pursuing me. He loves me for who I am. He takes me where I am, and he's willing to use my life again. And out of that came first and second Peter, and to this day he's still being used of God to strengthen the brethren. Aren't you thankful for that? What a God. What a God. We look around and we think everybody here has it all figured out. Well, the opposite is true. That's really why we're here today, because we don't have it all figured out. Everybody else here has got everything going well for their lives. It's all coming together. If the truth be known, many of us are facing things that are coming apart, and we're looking to God to help us tie it down, to hold it together, to keep it from being a total loss altogether. There's no one here this morning that doesn't need the Lord and his help and his wisdom and his strength, his courage, his encouragement, his guidance, an opportunity to begin anew. It's been said that the Christian life is a series of new beginnings. Aren't you glad that God not only gives a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, but multiplied many times over chances to get back up and get back going for the Lord. There's been things that have hit me and knocked the wind out of my sails. I mean hit me to that level, cut me to the very core. All I knew in those moments was to get on my knees, give it to God in faith and ask God for help. And then oftentimes I've learned this, Get off my knees, roll up my sleeves, and say, all right, Lord, let's start anew. I'm here. I'm willing. Lead me. That's what Peter did. God used him in a wonderful way. And so God, through Peter, and the power of the Holy Spirit, reminds us today, even instructs us, if we've never learned these lessons, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, that ye are a chosen generation. The Bible says back in chapter 1 in verse 2, we're the elect according to the foreknowledge of God, chosen in Christ by God according to his divine foreknowledge. God looking ahead of time, knowing we would trust Christ, said so be it. And we are a chosen generation, 
not only individually but corporately as members of the church. And so many things that God did through his people in the Old Testament, God gives us a picture of what he's doing now through his people in the New Testament here in this passage of Scripture. You are a chosen generation of royal priesthood. Think about that. Now we have direct access to God the Father. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to be in the family or lineage of priests. We don't have to wait on the high priest who would go in once a year and offer up sacrifice on our behalf. No, anytime, day or night, we can go before God ourselves, even boldly with great courage and confidence, at his very throne of grace and make our petitions known. And he hears us, the Bible says. Isn't that wonderful? He hears me. Lord, I need you. God, I don't know what to do here. Lord, I, I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm frustrated. I'm tempted. Lord, I'm so discouraged. I, I just don't know if I have the strength to face another day or another challenge. I can't bear this any longer. Wherever you're coming from today, there's a God in heaven who the Bible says in Psalm 34 that the righteous, those who know him by faith, we understand, declared righteous by the righteousness of Jesus Christ in this hour, we cry unto God and he hears us. He's even nigh to the broken in heart. God's nigh to the broken heart. What's amazing to me is when I'm broken heart, I feel like God's nowhere to be found. He's so far away. But no, the Bible says that's when he's nearest, as it were. He's close to us. He knows our heart cry. He knows our need. Even groanings which cannot be uttered, Romans chapter 8 says. Help, Lord. We have access to God, a holy nation, we are sanctified, set apart a people for God, a people for his name, called out to show forth his praises, the Bible says, a peculiar people even, a people for a possession. We belong uniquely to God. There are certain privileges and, and blessings that we have that the world knows nothing of, that they cannot even begin to imagine that God makes available to his people. To, to them, we're kind of like, what is it with you Christians? And yet the Lord looks at, upon us and says, wow, look what it is with you who are my children. Look at the access you have. Look at the blessings you have. Look at the opportunities you have. He says, I've done all of this, a work of grace in your life that you should show forth. That literally means to tell in the sense of thoroughly, all the way through, show forth the praises, the virtues, the excellencies of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You remember that day of darkness? I think about people who are in darkness now. They truly don't see. They're minds, their hearts, their eyes are blinded to the light of the gospel. They don't see their need. When you're blind, you can't see. And that's where they are. They're in darkness. And men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because we're self-willed. We want to do what we want to do. 
Our deeds are evil because it's like, well, whatever God may say about this, this is what I think and what I feel about it, and this is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it. I was thinking yesterday about how God has created us in His image. We can think, we can feel, we can act. All the people walking around on this earth, the, the potential for God, the potential for good, but also the potential for evil. It's a choice that God has given to us. And so he says here, I've called you out of darkness into his marvelous, his wonderful, indescribable light. It is beyond comprehension. It is so wonderful to have the light of truth. It is the truth that sets us free. We are delivered by the light of the world, Jesus Christ himself. What a great privilege we have. What great access and opportunity. He says in verse 10, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now, underline that, but now have obtained mercy. We've received compassion from God. His heart was for us even in our darkness, the darkness of our sin. If God loved me so when I was not his own child, can you imagine his heart for me now that I'm his own? Don't feel alienated from your heavenly father. Don't feel like he has cast you off. Don't feel like he has forsaken you and he doesn't even want to deal with what you're dealing with. No, he has a heart for you. There was a time when you had not tapped into and experienced the mercies of God, but now by faith in Jesus Christ, you have. You're a part of his family. You're a part of those who have access directly to him. You're a part of that band of believers who reflect that glorious light of Jesus Christ through your lives. The Bible says, remember in time past. Boy, I remember those days. I, we were not a people. We were not the people of God. We were not in this gathering of those who've been called out, called unto God. But now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy. But now you have obtained mercy. We're to show forth, we're to tell this, this phrase here back in verse 9. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. It just resonated in my heart this week. Oh, the darkness of sin. I think about people here in our city, even this weekend today. There's someone's son, someone's daughter. They belong to someone. The heart that God has for me. Oh, I can denounce sin, and sin must be denounced because we know that sin robs us not only of the glory of God and the blessings of God, but if we choose sin over faith in Jesus Christ, we'll be separated from God forever in eternity in a place called hell. Now you think about it. Look what God has done for us. And think about those around us, broken by sin, so many times looking for a way out, 
or a way forward, but they think it's in this path or this pleasure or this pursuit or this philosophy of life, and they come up short because the refuges of this world will fail, will disappoint every single time. Give it a little time, and it will fail you. Have you ever been failed by refuge of this world? You saw some kind of comfort, some kind of acceptance, some kind of reassurance, some kind of help, and, and it was offered in this various way of this world, and yet the more you pursued it, the greater the emptiness became. It's amazing. And yet here we have this glorious, marvelous, wondrous light of the gospel, the light that men need, that women need, that is the hope of this world. Why would we hide it under a bushel? Why would we just get tied up in temporal concerns? Even debates and disagreements and, and all kinds of things that in the end do not matter and fail to see what truly is at stake. Not only people's lives, but their whole eternity. Years ago, I'd worked all day. I was so tired. I was on my way home to get a quick bite of breakfast so, or supper. Sometimes we eat uh, breakfast for supper, but that's another story. But uh, on my way home to eat supper, quick bite, back out for visitation. And as I was coming down Goldmine Road, it wasn't far from the house, I saw these uh, young people out in the field riding these four-wheelers. And it's like the Lord, and it doesn't happen this way all the time. And some of you will understand this. It's like the Lord truly smote my heart. Stop and talk to these kids. And I thought my first thought was, wow, I am tired. <laughs> and I drove on by. But it's like the Lord pressed upon my heart even that much more. And so just down the road past them, I turned in a driveway and backed out and came back around. Now, when I pulled up, I had on a coat and tie. They thought I was a detective. They ran every direction. That is the truth. They took off running. Only two people were left, and I said, hey, hey, don't, don't run, don't run. Uh, you know, I'm not the police or anything. I'm a preacher, and they really wanted to run then. But as I thought about it, I got to talking, and then... As I talk, think about this, out of all those young people who were there, there were two left that would talk to me. One, after just a few minutes, kind of peeled off. It's like, hey, you know, good. thank you for stopping by. Nice to meet you, sir. And just kind of walked away. And this one guy, he said, you know what? My daddy's a preacher. I said, he is. He said, down in South Carolina, pastors a church. It broke my heart. I wept inside. He said, I'm not right with God, and I know it. And I said, you know what, young man? There's a God in heaven who loves you, and he's reaching out to you today. And I told him how God touched my heart to stop as I drove by. I said, I came back around. I said, I'll guarantee you, you've got a mom and dad who's praying for you back home. He said, yeah, I know that. 
I said, they're praying that God will speak to you and God will get your attention and draw you back unto himself. And if God was willing or would find someone willing on this end, no doubt their Lord just send somebody. If he won't listen to us, maybe he'll listen to someone else. Can I say to you that there may be, and I believe there very well is, people day to day, but even in this weekend, there are people in this city who have someone that is praying for them. And in their brokenness of sin, in their blindness of sin, in their bondage of sin, God is just looking for someone who will say, Lord, I'll obey you. Lead me, God. Direct me by thy spirit. Help me to show someone your marvelous light. Oh, the brightness of the light of the gospel. Oh, how people need to see that there's a God in heaven whose grace goes far deeper than our sin, and our sin can go very, very deep. But God's grace goes deeper still. For where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. God has changed our lives. He's opened our eyes. We're walking in the light of truth. And there's so many who are stumbling about in the darkness of sin. They need someone to love God and love them enough to shine some light of truth into their heart, to their lives. I wonder, will you be used of God to be a witness for someone this week? You remember what it was like to be lost. Many of us do. What it was like to be blinded by sin, bound by sin. We remember that. Look what God has done for us. What he's done for us, he wants to do for others. And we'll do that if we give the gospel. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is what? The power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Think about that. Anyone can be saved. All sin can be forgiven. There is hope in Jesus Christ for a, a better way, a better life, a better future, a better eternity. All because of who Jesus is, this light of the world, this light of truth. You can have a whole different life, a whole different future. What is the world's remedy? When you leave God out, you leave truth out. Can you imagine a world that would say to a young person who is growing up oftentimes with mixed messages and confusion in their lives, many of them without the role model in their lives day to day of a mom and a dad or one or the other. And in their confusion, can you imagine a world that would look at them and say, well, I'll tell you what the answer is. It's an outward change of your appearance. Friend, I hope that you're reading and you realize what's going on. In our medical associations, our hospitals, major hospitals, our pharmaceutical companies, can you imagine telling someone, well, the only hope you have to finally come at terms with who you are is to reflect that outwardly, change that. Surgically, 
hormonally. The word literally is mutilate your body that God gave you. I'm telling you, the push for that is demonic. It is evil. Upon the children of this day, and so many of God's people, it seems like in this hour, we can't get our minds around the fact of the times in which we live and really how far error and a true distortion of right and reality and God-given design and distinction is being pushed and the advances that are being made and the victims that are suffering as a result. Let me tell you this. Here's the good news of the gospel. Whatever struggle you have within, that's where God does his work. You don't need to change your person without. You just need a change of heart and mind within, and that's where the gospel goes to work. Isn't that wonderful? That is love. That is kindness, especially now that we're seeing a generation of people who say, I have regrets that I transitioned. I have regrets that I made some decisions when I was too young and immature to understand the long-term consequence of that. And people coached me and encouraged me. And now we're learning that these pharmaceutical companies, they get in the back pockets of these doctors and these hospitals. And they encourage it. There's a financial incentive. And by the way, that's a whole different dynamic. God help us in this hour. We are at a place in this day to where above health, good faith, True, genuine care for others. I got to look out for myself. And if I'm going to benefit from it, if somebody's going to give me a kickback, then I'll take it. You know, when your politicians are corrupt and then it moves into the media and then it moves more into the medical field, God have mercy on us. We just need to identify what it is and push back. And say, no, 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 we'll not receive this bondage. We'll not receive this darkness. The Bible says that the darkness cannot overwhelm, cannot overtake the light. The darkness of this world cannot comprehend the light. That means it cannot just simply suppress it and hold it back. Light diffuses, dispels darkness. And we as a church... We're called out a unique people that say, hey, this is the way. Walk ye in it. The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And when we speak the truth in love, it's a love for God and a genuine love for others because it's only the truth that sets people free. God, help us in this hour. Are we on the sidelines or are we preparing ourselves? Reading, studying, speaking up, becoming engaged, involved in our family, in our loved ones, in our church, in our community, and beyond. May God in heaven speak to us in this hour. Because there's so much of advancement of darkness. If we're not careful, we'll kind of sit on the sidelines.
And all it takes for evil to flourish is for good men to do nothing. Brother Tor and I were downtown yesterday, had a boys with him, and we were talking there. You were telling me about a study from Vanderbilt about cities and urban development and things and how if there's not leadership there, strong leadership, decisive leadership, everything even among cities like the second law of thermodynamics, it tends to chaos, disorder, if not acted upon intentionally, right? You know what? Our homes need leadership. Our churches need leadership. Our cities, our communities, our states, our country needs leadership. Godly leadership. Leadership that has the courage to point people to God and the truth of his word. In the absence of leadership, darkness thrives. I asked Dr. Lee Robertson years ago. He preached often in his retirement years here at Shining Light. I said, Dr. Robertson, what's wrong with our churches? He said, weak. Weak leadership. People don't want leadership. Everyone will love you until you try to lead them, he said. He said, but a pastor has to be a leader. He has one to please, and that's the Lord. You know, as I thought about that, I thought about General Colin Powell. He said, have a vision, be demanding. Think of that, be demanding. People don't want that today. No, I don't want anyone to expect of me, demand of me. I want to do what I want to do. I think about realizing who I am in Christ, how God wants me to live a life of victory, walking in his light to impact this generation and point them to him. And God wants me to look to him and see how a true victor rises again and again. And you know, there's so many things I could say here in this text, but just let me close. If you look at verse 21, it talks about the humbling of Christ. We're to show forth, the Bible says, his, the praises of him who hath called us. We're to submit ourselves in verse 13. That means to find ourselves, our rank as it were, our place to arrange under his authority. It's a military term. We're to follow the leaders that God has established and pray for them. But again, if you, if you study this, it talks about governors here. It, it talks about even kings there in verse 17. It talks about the right relationship between those in authority and those who are following that lead. And then Christ, as he submitted himself to the will of the Father, so think about that. Show, submit, and then suffer is a thought. Suffer. Are you willing to suffer for Christ's sake? For the Father's sake? When he suffered, and I'll develop this more this evening, he left us an example, has the thought to write under. We follow in his steps. It's like a teacher, a student. The teacher would write it up there, and they would write under a copy to get precise and learn how to write. We're following in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, he was reproached, spoken to with contemptuous language. He reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed, surrendered, yielded up, and trusted himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we 
being dead to sins. We've moved away from them by the grace of God. We're walking in the newness of life now. We should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls, our leader, the one who shepherds us, the one who guides us, the one who cares for us, the one who oversees us. I'm glad for Christ's care, for his compassion, but I'm glad for his leadership in my life, aren't you? I have a Savior whom I can trust fully and follow all the way, all the way my Savior leads me. When people revile, he just committed himself to the Father. He teaches us how to suffer, to bear up under, to endure, and to prevail victorious because with God, the way up is down. When we humble ourselves, when we submit ourselves to him, he honors our faith our dependence, our obedience. He is glorified and his servant is honored. His servant is a victor, not a victim. Let's not go through life talking about the darkness. Let's go through life talking about the light. Don't curse the darkness. Light a candle. We can talk about all the challenges we face. Or we can talk about this great God of heaven who found us in our sin and called us unto himself and said, now I'm going to make you my people and show to you and through you what a great God I am and how there's nothing too hard for me and there's no sin I can't forgive. And I want you to follow me and trust me fully. May God help us to do that. I'll tell you, that's what will give courage to leaders in our homes, our churches, our communities. I want to follow God because if I'm doing right, right ultimately will always prevail. Amen? I can trust God all the way through. Can we trust God? Are we willing to trust God? Are we willing to get engaged and get involved and show forth this marvelous light and by the way, it doesn't take a lot of effort. It's not our light we're showing. We're just reflecting his light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Oh, may he be glorified through each of our lives. What a wonderful Savior we have. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad you're going to heaven? There's something better than going to heaven. What could that be? Taking someone with you. Oh, shine this, share this marvelous light with someone this week. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.